Okay, look at me, Sarah. What are you so worried about, Sarah? Look at me. Okay, breathe. Breathe, okay? Hey, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. What are you afraid of? What are you so afraid of? You can move. Sarah, look at me. Look at me. Listen, the worst thing that could have happened to you has already happened, okay? And you're still here. This is just a poxy cave, and there's nothing left to be afraid of, I promise, okay? Okay? That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? Listening to The Fear of God, a podcast exploring the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Fear of God. That Wonderful podcast you've come to know and love as the intersection between all that is faithful and all that is fearful. I am one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And you know, typically when I enter these things, I give uh, co-host Reed Lackey some strange task that he's, you know, gone and, and, and tried to accomplish and why he's missing. But really, I just need, I need y'all to know, hey, Reed. To, that Reed is here because I Reed, I've just got a question for you, man. Like, hey, buddy, I've got a question yeah. for you. So I just need to know. I don't. I can't start this one in a real pithy fashion, as I might normally, because I'm a little, I'm a little unnerved. Oh no. Um, and I just got a real. I need. I've got a direct question for you, and I just kind of need a direct okay, answer. I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. So, um, and hopefully, audience folk, uh, you have someone in your life you can ask this to, Reed. If I ever were to find myself, you know, just through some random circum- series of circumstances, if I ever find myself having been impaled through the throat by, like, a mutual friend of ours, yes. and I'm left for dead, but I'm not really dead, but in my not really deadness, I am on the verge of being discovered and, and subsequently, you know, mauled, devoured, eviscerated by subterranean Gollum Smeagol monsters. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm asking you, Reed, can you, for me, for my sake, just do the right thing and just bash my skull in? Do you think you can, do you, do you have the fortitude? I just don't know, man. We, you and I've been it's through true. a lot it's true. together, a, a lot. And oh, man, I don't know. That is a, I, I know, you know, you asked you to be my best man in my wedding. Like, that's a big question. This is a big question, Reed. I, I w- if if it had to happen, could you do it? I will because tell you this. if not, I don't want to go anywhere with you ever again. Because what if it happens? Yeah, it's true. I, I will tell you this. Uh, when the time arises, I will happily uh, take on the burden <laughs> of bashing your head in with a, with a gigantic <laughs> rock. You are the worst <laughs> friend ever. How could you? What a terrible, what a terrible thing to say to me. 
I was just like, this is, I was just trying to give you one of those, like, no, that's not the right <laughs> answer. The right answer is no, you are going to people, people who've never met us in tandem don't know that I'm like twice your size. Wow. But I was going to say, you need to, you need to like, you need to like Sam and Frodo me up on your back. And carry me out of that friggin' cave. Of course, of like, course. No, especially as you do not bash my skull in. Especially, especially when you just tell me that you're twice. You know, tell listeners you're twice my size. Evidently, you think I have the strength of an ant that I can just sort of, you know, put put you up on my piggyback no, style. No, but under you know science and whatever under under. Under science, it says that under you science. under 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 extreme circumstances <laughs> develop adrenaline rushes that give you Hulk like strength to, to be able to Here's what I just got a visual image of. I just got a visual image of me trying to make my way through a cave with you on my shoulders piggyback style and your head constantly bushed, bouncing up against the stalactites. <laughs> just bang, 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 bang. And like strangely strangely Usually, even though I'm the one who's like got life threatening wounds, you're like mad at me about it. You're like, come on, man. Why did you eat all of that before we came on this spelunking this spelunking adventure? Had to have the extra slice of pizza, didn't you? You never <laughs> never thought. You're you're the you're the jerk who would be like, nah, I'll just bash his skull in. It's all good. <laughs> he won't feel it. Nobody, It'll be nobody's quick. nobody's gonna know, and then I'm gonna be. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> it works. So in the in the spirit of this, so that was a rather a rather serious question. Sure. But I do. I do. I mean, like you know, that's quite a. It's quite a bold step forward in our friendship, but on an, on an, on another note, there is something I've been meaning to ask you and read. That is, what you watching? What you doing? <laughs> you sounded like that Ray Stevens song. It's stupid. It's me again, Margaret. <laughs> I can't believe you just made that reference. It's <laughs> <laughs> so awful. Oh, it's so awful. Oh, so let me, I'm going to try that again. So, oh, you're not. Yeah, there is another question. <laughs> there is another question I got for you, and that's, what you watching? <laughs> what you reading? What you listening to? <laughs> and here's where I take the big rock, and I <laughs> bash, <laughs> bash the skull in. <laughs> I think some of our listeners would like to do oh, that. Oh, they've us. done it to their phones or to their iPods right now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, so yeah, I have something that I've actually uh, been excited to, to talk about. So uh, oh, I've been we'll do uh, catching on, on, you know, evidently every TV network ever has to have original programming anymore. So... Well. Um, Spike TV has joined the fray, but I I will say before I mention this, man, this is a good year uh, to be a Stephen King fan. We decried last week the unfortunate misfire that was the Dark Tower film, but we have uh, coming up, we have a Netflix original Gerald's Game uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, which I'm very excited to see. We've got uh, the Hulu original Castle Rock series, which I'm very curious about. We got It coming up very, very soon. Um, Mr. Mercedes like eminently um so we've got a lot of fun exciting things uh on the horizon but the one i want to talk about is a show that i've been watching spike tv did a tv season adaptation of the mist by stephen king now i'm a huge fan of the original film i'm sure we'll eventually cover the film at some point um but i'm a very very big fan of the original film and uh, of the original novella 
But this TV series, uh, I was kind of skeptical about because before I started catching up with it, uh, it had gotten pretty poor reviews. For the most part, critical uh, response has been ambivalent. Viewer response hasn't been that that uh, that great. I don't know what's wrong with me, man. I love it. I love the show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like. So, like, is all are, is it like ten episodes? Is it all out? Have you? It's not all, all out as of this recording. Six episodes have uh, actually seven episodes have aired. I have seen six of them. Um, and uh, it is a ten. Ep- I'm assuming it's a ten episode season. Uh, but yeah, so it's not completed yet. But. I genuinely, I don't know. Listen, okay, so I'm going to, we don't really do this with watching, reading, listening to, but I'm going to th- throw a call out to the listeners. Um, if you see this show and have strong feelings about it one way or another, I would love to dialogue with you about that. Like, reach out to me on social media or something, because, like, I genuinely do not understand why response has not been stronger for this TV series. I don't think it's groundbreaking. I don't think it's, you know, I I would be, I'm not pulling for it to win Emmys or anything like that. It's just not that kind of show, but I really enjoy it. It's got some pretty good characters. The acting is a bit hit and miss here and there, uh, but it's got some genuine frights to it. It's got some great suspense, some sustained tension. There's some stuff that you and I, if we wanted to do an episode about it, could talk about. Um, it's very interesting. I've really, I'm really taken with the show so you and could, I'm surprised. I mean, are, are you sort of for clarity's sake, are you saying you're kind of, I mean, kind of like in a, in a haze of sort as to why I'm a little foggy. Really, yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a little <laughs> foggy as to why the, the praise for the show has not been, uh, has not been heavier. It's like, it's like I can't see past my face, you know, like it's so, uh, uh yeah. 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 So, that is a, a common problem for you though. Um, uh, that's true. So is, now here's a question that I just don't know the answer to. Is it a, is it meant to be a, a maxi series? Like, in other words, is this, this season meant to be it or does, is that undetermined? It's undetermined at the moment, but if the if the viewership isn't high, then they probably won't proceed with a season two. Well, but well, right. I mean, I, but to your knowledge, all I'm yeah, all I'm saying is to your knowledge, is it is it meant to be an ongoing series beyond yeah. this season? Yeah, to my knowledge, okay. it's meant to be an ongoing multi season series. And uh, yeah, I was just I was really surprised. It was one of those things where because I'm such a Stephen King fan, I was going to check it out regardless. Um, I had seen that the reviews were mediocre, but then I started watching it, and I, yeah, I really really dig it. So yeah, I'm surprised. And listeners out there, if you have some strong feelings about it, I'd love to hear them because yeah, I really dig it. I think it's great. That's what I've been watching. Well. Well, that's that's good to hear. Um, I have a listening and a watching. Um, I'll do the watching first. So I am, as of this recording, only four of, I think, seven episodes of Game of Thrones season seven have aired. Um, uh. I am watching that. So I'll caveat this by saying in brief, and we can talk about it more at length on another time, another place. I, I'd never read the books. I, at this point in life and time, I really have no interest in it. Actually, my, my respect for George Martin, if there ever was some, is pretty low these days, uh, as a creative person. Uh, but again, that's a whole other conversation. That said, I have been a follower of the show. I like the show. I've never been a slavish devotee of the show. I've enjoyed it. Its weaknesses are glaring when they're present. Um, it is a bit hard to watch in places. That said, all of that said, that's a long caveat or a long qualifier to say 
these four episodes of season seven are pretty spectacular. Uh, oh. And this most recent, this most recent one, which by the time this airs, there'll have been another one or two. I think um, episode four ends in spectacular fashion, kind of almost raises the game for the whole cinematic TV kind of genre. Anyway, so I have been watching that. Um, and that's strong. I know you just kind of gotten into season one and are kind of pacing yourself through that. Um, right, uh, right. Maybe check, it, maybe, maybe check in with us when you're a little further along. I'd, I'd love to hear kind of what you're <laughs> feeling. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, I tried to, um, I tried to rewatch, um, I've tried to get into Game of Thrones a couple of times now, and I finally was like, okay, now I'm going to actually sit down, devote myself to watching it. That's, you know, and so I'm, I'm only about halfway through season one. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's something I'll definitely, as I get further into it, uh, I'll tag back in and let you know some, some more of my thoughts. It hasn't quite reached the point to where I'm rabid for it yet. Maybe that point will never come. Maybe sure. it'll just be a, a sure. continual progressive thing. Um, but, but I am enjoying it more this time around than I have in previous attempts. So I think I'll make it, I'll think I'll make it this time. I really think I'll make it. Yeah, go for it. Um, the other and last uh, note I have of watching, reading, listening to, my wife uh, alerted me to this. And the other day while mowing the grass, I was, uh, even though I do enjoy listening to our podcast and everyone else should too, um, <laughs> I do occasionally, I do occasionally dabble with other podcasts. Um, specifically, I don't know if you know this exists. I think it's this year and maybe in the last couple of months, Martin Sheen was on, on being. Oh, really? No, I didn't. And as they tend to do, like if you go into your podcast thing, if you're using iTunes or whatever, like it'll have whatever they broadcast and then I'll have like the unedited version. The unedited version is usually like an hour and a half versus like the standard, I don't know, 50 minutes or so. Sure. Um, and I got about halfway through the unedited version and man, it is, it's impressive. I don't, I didn't know the depth of that man. Like oh, I've always yeah. liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but deeply spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Deeply committed. He's like, a devout Catholic. Yeah. 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 I mean like dropping names, Thomas Merton, um, several other folks you'd probably recognize. Uh, oh, he, he, he tells this story of meeting Mother Teresa and it's oh, wow. just heart, it's heartwarming and beautiful. I mean, I don't know. I was just really struck by how, you know, the depth of that, of him, you know, in a way that I did not quite know was there. So that was a really cool, uh, maybe a little out of the box what you're listening to. Awesome. Um, yeah, but that's me. Um, that has been another, uh, uh, volume of what you watching, what you reading, what you listening to. <laughs> I love how yours lately have taken on a, um, maybe it's your share trip. It's, they've got a little bit of a showgirl wow, side to yes, them. I, I yes. kind of dig it. You yes, know? they have. It's the outfit too. No listeners can't see, but yeah, that's the, that's, that's the other question. You are, you are all sequins and pom poms. Exactly. I mean, it is, yeah. it is impressive. It is impressive. <laughs> so true. Um, I, I didn't know you could pull that off quite so well. Um, <laughs> last bit of little business, last bit of little business here before we dive into, um, the black hole of this mountainside together, um, where we may or may not bash each other's heads in for some <laughs> inexplicable reason um, so so read uh we talked about it last week we're gonna talk about it this week too last week was an anniversary this week's an anniversary Aww. it's all it's an anniversary time here at the fear of god yeah. you had a wedding anniversary two, two or three weeks That's ago true. last week 
We had our technical 52nd episode, even though it's numbered as 51 in your list. This one is numbered as 52, so we're going to treat it. It's like birthday month. I like to have birthday month around my house. Sure. It's like anniversary month for us at the fear of God. It is exciting. Thank you for, I feel like we need, I need like a confetti popper and some, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, parade music to back us up here. Some Roman candles. Um, you know, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's been a good journey, my friend. I'm, I'm sorry this is the last episode, but you know, Whoa. it's been fun. Um, <laughs> is there something I didn't know about? Wait a minute. I don't understand. Um, so yeah, uh, anniversary episode, anniversary month. Congratulations to you, my friend. Congratulations to us. Um, thank you to yeah. you listeners out there who've made this a really fun first year yes. Uh, yes. of the thank Fear of God podcast, you know, with with potentially many more to come as we perhaps, you know, uh, uh, spin off into our other, you know, podcasts, the wrath of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, <laughs> you know, we're, who knows where we're going to go with all these, but that's especially true. the wrath, that's going to be a, that's going to be a really stocked podcast stay tuned we're gonna have like daily episodes yes <laughs> and another um, thing <laughs> god hates it when you say such and such um <laughs> so 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 today reed you know we've been building to this it is time to put on our helmets get our rope bag and hooks and other oh spelunking gear and just jump in that dark labyrinthine subterranean side of a mountain or top of a mountain or wherever it is so so Reed, today we are discussing neil marshall's the descent yes and this is the this is it this is the culmination this is the ultimate episode in our year-long walk down the universal lot exactly Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And for listeners who may not understand that, that's because this is the companion film to last week's Creature from the Black Lagoon. If you just tuned in for this episode, um, then we've been doing a series all year long where we take the classic, iconic Universal monsters, we discuss them at length, and then we discuss a companion film that's either similarly themed or has a similar type of monster to it. Um, so yeah, this was this was one of those pairings that I didn't really have to think too hard about. Um, was just the descent seemed like a kind of an obvious companion for Creature from the Black Lagoon. But before we get into to why and some of that minutia, you you'd seen this film before, right? I had, yeah. I, I actually saw it in the theater um, back during its release, oh five, oh six. I think it's two thousand five. Yeah. Um, yeah, and honestly, like I. I enjoyed it much more this time. Ah, yeah. Um, for whatever reason. I mean, I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly why. Um, but I feel like I remembered it as just a pretty good kind of afternoon scary movie at the, at the theater. Right. Um, but, re- but for the rewatch, I was very engaged. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I got a lot more out of it the second time around. Um, I, I would echo the same thing. I, really enjoyed it. I actually saw it twice in the theaters. I thought it was really refreshing. You just always have to one-up me, don't you? You, no. just, you can't just... You're like, oh yeah, I saw it twice in the theater. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. Um, oh yeah, I'm, you with your sequins and pom-poms. I've I mean, already... While you were talking, I've already heard that on Being episode. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, um, no, so uh, so yeah, I, I saw... I mean, I don't see every movie. I saw it back... Before I was married, obviously, before I had children, so I, w- I had a little bit more free movie time. But I, uh, I, I did 
enjoy this one so much that I recommended it to a lot of friends. And when some of those friends went to see it, I accompanied them. So I saw it twice in the theater, but had not seen it since then and really was glad to revisit it for this time around because, like I said, it's been more than 10 years since I saw it. And, yeah, found it frightening, found it engaging, found it rich with things to think about and things to talk about, which I'm sure we'll get into. So, yeah, I really I was I'm very taken with this film. I really enjoy it. I think it's very artfully and very skillfully executed. I find it very scary. You mentioned last week the uh, and I'm not going to dive right into scares and skip trivial bits or likes dislikes, but I have to get this up front. The words that you said about your fear of the ocean and Mm -hmm. how you articulated your fear of the ocean. I would echo that and even more because I have to one up you with the (laughs) my fear of caves like I have. And I don't think like caves in general, not like tight spaces or, you know, I don't think it's tight spaces. I mean, maybe it is a little bit of the tight space thing, but I don't get the reaction that I had when I was watching this film when I'm seeing somebody like crawl through an air conditioning duct or when I see somebody, you know, <laughs> any sort of right. like, you know, or, but or anchor, films. This, anchor this to the real forest. So like, have you been in caves before? No, 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 I never have. And there's a reason <laughs> because the scene alone I mean, this is this is edging next to scares. But you're I'll like, just get this out yeah, of the way. you're like, you're like just doing it. You're just going there. So, but the scene where they're crawling through the small, like the yeah. small passageway, it's I can, yeah, I can remember thinking like, there, there's no way, there's no way I would ever do that. Like, I, I would just be like, bye, I'll okay, see well, you all later. Well, back up. All right, so back up. So <clears throat> before you totally, you know, jump in in, in the the mountain hole, you know, with me, let's talk about. Um, so clearly you've just, you've just determined for the, for me, the answer to this question that you'd never do something like this. Well, what, as you've pondered this, or maybe as you watch this and it makes you think of other things, what adventurous activities do entice you and, and in a sort of adventurous fun way, as opposed to like a never will I ever kind of way? You know, that's an interesting question. Well, I will, I will say I've always been somewhat fascinated, uh, by the prospect of skydiving. I might skydive at some point. Um, but I had never would have considered myself an outdoorsman. I still don't consider myself an outdoorsman. But earlier this year, we visited Yosemite National Park with my mom and dad. My mom and dad flew out to California, and we took uh, a, a big, long road trip. We went several places, and one of those places was Yosemite. And when I was there, I can remember standing in that park at the near the base of El Capitan, which is one of the huge mountains there. And I can remember thinking, I kind of get it. Like, I, I, it's, that doesn't mean that I, you know, went and bought a bunch of hiking gear and I'm going to start being an adventurer now. But I was sitting there, I was like, there's something very appealing about just being here in the open air. I can see the appeal of somebody getting the gear together and going and climbing and, and doing that sort of thing where you're out, uh, in nature. I kind of understood just being in that environment. It registered with me in a way that it hadn't before. But other than that, I never would have considered myself. I mean, my adventure is, uh, cracking open a book or uh you know the uh the opening credits of a new film like that's that's typically my adventure i'm very much a homebody lavar i know you met him lavar burton would be so proud of you that's exactly right like, take a look it's in a book in the sky. there you go there you go yeah well that's yeah. good to know well let's let's do this read so we got our gear on and right, here uh we go. you know we've we've got our conflict and backstory and and and, you know tragedy that came before this moment so let's let's just jump in so 
You'd seen it twice in the theater. So as we typically do with the movies we cover, we talk about likes, dislikes. We talk about scares and then we get into theme stuff. So likes, dislikes. Um, well, I have a couple of pizza of uh, trivial. You bits. do, yeah. I forgot your bits, so that's okay. Don't forget my bits. Um, <laughs> so the uh, the 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 things that I think you'll appreciate. First of all, Neil Marshall directed a film called Dog Soldiers that is right. fantastic. It's a werewolf film, uh, and it is really I get really it. good. I get it. Dog Soldiers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I I love that film. There was a time where I even considered it as a companion film for The Wolfman. Um, I think Dog Soldiers is great, and I would highly recommend it. And it was actually partially the success of Dog Soldiers that got him to make this film, even though he was a bit reluctant to get pigeonholed as like a, a horror director. But one thing that I found really interesting is that the original script was a mixed gender cast. It was guys yep. and girls yep. in that cave. And but his so, business partner realized that horror films almost never have all female casts. Oh, so, you've done your research for this one. This is great. Yeah, because I was going to so drop that fun. one in my likes, dislikes. And you're just like, ah! oh, nope. You see that That's rug you're standing bit. on, Nathan? I'm going to pull it. <laughs> and bash your head in with a rock. Well, oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, so the, the only other bit of, of trivia that I had is one that I didn't read anywhere that I actually came upon in real life because I saw this film twice in the theater. You said you did see it in the theater, right? Yeah. Did you notice that it has a different ending? That the theater had a different ending than this? And I don't know that I would have registered it. Uh-huh. Did you Except validate that? Did you look that up? I, I completely validated it, but I remembered it beforehand that the theatrical cut. It, it, okay, so maybe we talk about this when we more when we get into the ending of the film, but I will say this as a way of like this moment right now. For people who have seen the film, so the moment when she's sitting in the car and right. looks over and sees her friend bloodied sitting Is in the that car. New? No, that's where the movie ended. Period. She screams, credits roll. Done. So no semi-truck honking at her? No, no, no. The semi-truck honked at her. She rolls down the window, vomits out the car, looks back, sees her friend bloodied sitting in the car with her, screams, credits roll. But in this one, wait a minute. Is that how your film ended? Well, talk a little more. Okay. So in the theater, that's where the credits roll. But... In the release to to video or to DVD or on demand, whatever you want to say, that then immediately following that, it shows you that she was only dreaming and that she's back in the cave when she wakes up, that she that she did not make it out to the cave, that she no, looks up not, and she's... No, I've, I've never seen that scene. Wow! Yeah, so the version that I saw has that completely what? other ending tacked onto it. Yeah. And 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 the moment that she scre- so in yours she screams credits roll, right? Yes. She's in the car, she's out. Now, to be fair, this isn't roll. just like mine. Like this was on Amazon. I rented it for 2.99 last sure. night. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is like yeah, everybody's. Yeah. I don't know. Where did you watch no, it? No, it's it's the theatrical cut. Um I guess I saw the unrated version. So the the R-rated version, the theatrical cut ends exactly where yours ended but i watched the i watched it on dvd so when i saw it on dvd and i'm looking at it i'm like i don't remember this ending like i don't i don't remember that and so then i went back and i was like did i just completely is that my voice that whole- 
is that my voice? <laughs> but seriously, so then I went back and it, yeah, the the unrated what uh, edition home video I feel like edition this sort of this. This sort of botches yeah. some mathematics stuff, but you know, whatever. Okay, no, we'll no, no, there. no. I mean, the, the, well, hey, the, let me ask you this: the what's theatrical on, cut of the film ended that way. What's on the cover to your version? Is it the it's her the, rising, it, or is it the skull fire thing, or whatever that is? It's the skull fire thing. It's that's the, it. It's the that's the, it. imi- that's the it. image of them. Yeah, it's the image of them in their, you know, all of the girls are sort of fashioned. Their bodies look uh, like a skull. But yeah, that's the that's the unrated cut. That's the difference. And, you know, usually because I rented the version that's just the traditional poster or whatever it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, yeah. So that's the only difference is that you saw the. So do we need to shut down this episode? Do we need to shut down this episode? And <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so yeah, but, I but wouldn't that's do the, that anyway. No, exactly. But yeah, so um, so I have a completely different uh, ending <laughs> than you have, and all, the only difference is that uh, she, after that moment in the car, uh, she wakes up, she sees a vision of her daughter, that little birthday cake thing that they right, show throughout right. the film. Um, she sees a vision of her daughter, and then it pans back, and it reveals that she has not made it to the base of the exit to the to the caves she has made it to a dead end and so there's a tunnel that that lurks behind her but all the way around her she is she is trapped and the sound of the creatures are growing louder as they scurry towards her cut to black credits roll and and so yeah you know why you know why that uh that scene got cut is because some studio exec said well what about the sequel Exactly. Exactly. Because the sequel, she's out. Like, right. I mean, in, in the sequel, I haven't seen she's it, but out. I read, I read the, I read the summary of it. Well, that's screwy. Well, that's fascinating that we just discovered that in real time. That took a lot of time, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously. So the, yeah, the, the, the ending is different depending on which version you see. And as I'm sure we'll get into, uh, dramatically changes the theme or dramatically changes the, uh, the scenario in which, uh, yeah. We have a sequel, whether we have a sequel or not, you know. So go ahead with your likes, dislikes. Well, yeah, I mean, like uh, I, I, I played with you a bit about your your trivial bit, but um, I actually love the all female cast, con- you know, uh, execution right. here. It's funny, I in reading about his choice to do that, or you know, his his crowdsourcing that idea. He, in his effort, and I applaud him for this, in his effort to avoid cliche, he just solicited advice from female friends about, like, you know, things they talk about and stuff like that, how they would behave differently right. in these scenarios over, you know, men or whatever. Um, and I right. thought this was interesting. I don't know if you saw this. He also gave the characters the different accents just to kind of enable distinction as a viewer. Uh, right. I thought that was exactly. Pretty, I thought that was pretty interesting because it does it does kind of feel like an odd choice in the moment, unless you couch it in production. And I will say it was smart on his part because it is difficult enough to to yes. keep keep all of those except for the two main characters, Sarah and Juno. It's difficult to to keep each of right. them distinct and different. If you didn't have those accents, I don't know that it would be possible to keep them. That that is one thing that I will say borders on dislike. For me, it, it just borders on it, is that Sarah and Juno are very distinct. They're distinctly drawn. They're distinctly realized. I feel like, as much as I love this film, and I do love it, the rest of the characters are almost interchangeable. They they almost sure. could oh, yeah. 
substitute for one another. Holly, but that's more conditional to who she is, not the substance of her character. Just the fact that she's young and impetuous and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, that is well a little dumb. But I think that. I think that that's one thing that you could sort of ding this film for is it has a good cast and everybody delivers a really good performance. But aside from the leads, they are somewhat interchangeable. Another another likes uh, for me. I, I mean, I think the opening sequence is great. Like it's very efficient. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It really conveys a lot with a little. Um, actually, the word I used was it's sensitively shot. You know, the car accident yes. itself. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. I thought that was very consider considering how grisly the movie gets. That was an impressively restrained sequence. Absolutely agree. And I love the sequence immediately following that when she's in the hospital and wakes up. And I I love the visual metaphor of her running down the hall and the lights keep blinking out almost as if the darkness is going to consume her. I mean, it's a bit on the nose, but I love it. It works so, so well. Um, yeah, I love that opening shot in, in the hospital It's great. Um, a couple more for me. I loved the first, uh, the first main shot. Uh, I'm going to continually call these creatures Gollum just cause that's what they reminded me of. <laughs> um, yeah. but I love the first main shot of a Gollum in Sarah's flashlight. It, the, the tiny, you know, in the, in the far distance, you see a little one. It's, it's when she first realizes she first sees anything and starts trying to convince them right. there's yeah. a, a man out there. It's just a really yeah, effective exactly. shot because even as a viewer, you're like, what, what is what is that? What am I looking oh. at down there? You know, like it's it's really effective, and then it kind of skitters away. Um, I did think. Did this you is, this? Go ahead. I was just gonna say. Did you realize that, or did you? Did you get that in your... scene in the middle where they discovered the fully dressed Gollum and he was <laughs> singing and dancing? No, I didn't get that. Dang these director's cuts. <laughs> he was in the yeah, top hat. That... It was a direct tonal change when the golem stands up and starts singing, putting on the Ritz. You know, I was really right, surprised. Right. <laughs> um, but the uh, no, uh, did you read in your research that uh, the actresses did not know what the creatures were going to look like until that moment of filming that scene? So no, they did no. not know what the crawlers, the creatures what their design was until they filmed that moment. And they, they all got so freaked out. They almost tore down the set running away. Like when the, when the wow. light turns on them and everything, I thought that was great. That uh, was a great yeah. little trivial bit. That's awesome. Um, so that was really strong. Um, I love the funny kind of, it's almost this mic drop moment when Sarah reveals Juno's charm in her hand, you know? Oh man. Oh yeah. During the, yeah, absolutely. You know, as the showdown finally climaxes. Um, I want you to have likes, dislikes, but I did have one last one that I, I wonder if you thought about and I didn't read, I didn't read enough to know if this is mentioned somewhere, but it made me wonder if her, if Sarah's kind of blood bad t- baptism, um, was, was an ah. homage to Carrie White. You know, I just wondered that. Ooh, you know what? I did not put that together um, and I didn't read it anywhere. There are a couple of shots that are just really resonant of that kind of infamous scene of Carrie covered in the pig's blood. I totally see it. I mean, I completely like like now that you've 
pointed that out, uh, it resonates very strongly. So I, to- sure. I totally see it. And maybe it was intentional. I did not read anywhere that it was. And I did. It's funny because your language of calling it blood baptism, uh, I I had written down it's in my scares, not in my life. Sure, like, sure. Uh, yeah, I called it a I called it a literal bloodbath. And, and yeah, it, it, it works. This idea that she's going into it one way and coming out of it. It begins behaving entirely differently once she comes out of it. You could almost, and this is, I don't have this in themes, but you could almost make a case. She becomes a click closer to what they actually are. You know, like she, she's in Wolverine berserker mode. Um, no, that's my, that's my, that's my, that's my likes, dislikes. We can, we can kind of approach scares or you, if you've got any other things to to talk about. Sure. I only have, I only have one like dislike and it works. It, it works as a transition into scares. Uh, everything about the setup is ominous. And I wrote down, it doesn't get any more quote unquote, they're all going to die than that photograph that they take at the cabin. Like I remember even the first time that I saw the film, Hey everybody, let's pose at this cabin and the the music and everything. I was like, they're all going to die. Like every single hat or hey, read, <laughs> like, hat or no hat, hat or no hat, no hat. <laughs> it's like we're all gonna die. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I did like that. It, the film immediately draws you in. I think everything about the way it's paced, the way it's directed, it immediately takes takes you hold and uh, and and really continues to ratchet up the tension. I love that it doesn't feel the need to reveal the creatures like in the first ten minutes. It's it's almost a good hour into the film before you see those things. Sure. And so it Well, because that's kind great... of the fun. I was just going to say I'm sorry to cut you off. That's kind of the fun of No, you're fine. The the environment. I mean, as we talked about 10 minutes ago, yeah. The 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 descent itself is scary enough. I mean, like Right. You you could theoretically make that movie. You know, just oh yeah, people, absolutely. Pe- people getting caught in the middle of a mountain and dying a terrible death. You throw yes. monster golems into it, and it's a whole other ball game. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, my very first thing in scares, there is literally nothing appealing to me about spelunking. Like literally nothing. The thought of climbing down through one of those passages or being in one of those small spaces where you have to crawl on your hands and knees and everywhere around you are potentially hundreds of feet of pure rock that could come tumbling in on you at any minute. No, thank you. No, 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 no. I will not at all ever be found in one of those things unless I am already dead and the killer has shoved my body there because that is the only capacity <laughs> in which you will find me in one of those spaces. Um, yeah, it, it, it actually gave me a mild panic attack to watch that scene. Like, I was I was getting very anxious and nervous just and I'd seen the film. I knew they made it out of the, the tunnel, but I'm sitting there watching it like, no, 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 no. When, when Sarah, when Sarah gets stuck and Beth comes back for her. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes exactly. Yes. I was like, that nope, should, nope, 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 that nope. should make any scares list for this movie. Um, oh, my gosh. It's um, yeah, I'll, I'll fire off a couple of scares. Then we can we can pick it back back and forth. If you got more, I've got like at least six or seven here. Um, yeah, I've got 23 there. It's a okay. terrifying movie. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um you know again having not seen it since the theater and not realizing there's a whole other cut available to me to do um (laughs) i i I forgot a lot of the little the little parts but like i mean even when she's dreaming in the cabin and the beam comes through the window like oh yeah i i almost you know pooped my pants right there (laughs) yeah the we already mentioned the the sarah getting stuck in the cave-in which is just 
insanely, you know, yeah, terrifying. Nope. All um, kinds of nope. The creature, the the golem monster in the infrared, standing behind them when they're screaming. Oh my god! I don't remember. Some of those, like the build up to the reveal of those, is so strong. It feels like kind of every couple of minutes they impose a new layer of the threat of those things. You know what I mean? Like the first time you see yeah. it, it is oh, in yeah. the distance. Although there is one shot. Do you remember there's this one shot? I don't know if this made your cut or not, but um, there is one <laughs> shot. I'm totally, I'm totally playing. There's one shot <laughs> where they pass, they pass like an opening and you see one in the shadow in the foreground. Does this ring a bell? Uh, yeah, I think so. With the first time when they're in the big cave, when they're like when they're lit up all the flares to see the whole big space. Is that no, where you're talking about? No, it's, it's a little later than that. But regardless, my point I'm trying to make is I love how the movie itself reveals just a little bit by bit, you know, of these creatures. Like, yeah, oh, there's, yeah. There's there's a shadowed sort of look where you're like, oh my god. There's the flashlight, but that's in the distance, so you can't really make oh out what they gosh. are. Then there's the infrared, yes. and then and then that just kind of culminates in the horde of them by the end. But anyway, um, oh man, yeah. And and one thing that I will say, this film has, and th- th- this bleeds back into so many of the reveals of the of the creatures, the crawlers. Um, it has got an abundance of straight up jump scares, like manipulating the music, manipulating your, you know, the silence and everything like that. Straight up jump out of your seat scares. Every single one of them are effective. I mean, sure. it got me every single time. That freaking time where, you know, this might be one of the ones you're talking about. The infrared thing. They're moving around the camera and suddenly one's yeah. like just standing behind one of them. Yes. I'm like, oh, my dear Lord. But then there's the time when. Uh, Sam is crawling. She's trying to climb back using the, you know, the where they have to climb across the ceiling. Yep. And when she's climbing across the ceiling and then all of a sudden she looks up and one's freaking like crawling right. freaking Spider-Man yeah. style across the ceiling towards her. I'm like, oh, my dear Lord, I can't I can't take this. And, well, then, and she just has the worst death right there, too. It's so bad. Oh, it's awful. And and then the uh, the the little visions that Sarah has there on my scares list, because there's one time where she's sitting there. She thinks that she's seeing the back of her daughter's head. And all of a sudden the face turns around and it's one of those creature right. things screeching at her. I'm like, oh, my Lord. I just. Uh, yeah, I got so tense as i was watching this film again with just how many of them just jump out of nowhere they just oh they just well and i thought i thought you were going to follow through on this part but when she's hanging from the 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 roof the ceiling and the one gets her that you just described well she stabs it and then it falls into the water below well is that when and then someone else falls down into that water. Juno. Yeah, yes. Juno yes. falls down into the water and then like comes face to face with it. And then it yes, wakes yes, up again. I'm yes, like, Oh my yes. God, I can't do this. <laughs> two last, oh, last two on my list. Last two on my list. So one is, this is kind of a funny one though. I can't remember the character's name. It's not a Holly, but she has the camera at one point and she's, she's trying to say silent, but she's by herself. It's once they've all been separated. And she's got the camera, okay. and the one the one is crawling towards the camera. Do you remember this? She's oh, on her back. Yes, she's, yes, yes, she's, I yes. think I think maybe she's holding her mouth, and she's got the camera fixed on it, and it can't see, yes. so it just knows something's there. I just I just loved the idea. Like that is the that's crawler. Rebecca, by the way. Okay, there you go. Good job. Thank you. Uh, that's the crawler. 
who always wanted to be a star, you know, he's like, what? <laughs> a, a, a camera? Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. You know, I mean, that's like totally what he sees. Like, what? <laughs> that's all of a sudden. It's just like, it's just like looking ominously. Like it's white right. eyes are like glazed right. over. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you hear it gently in tone. <laughs> yeah that's great and oh then she and, gosh, and she awful. and it develop a friendship she's like stage a show for them down there and then juno shows up thinking it's attacking her and kills it and she's like what have you done he was gonna be a star no anyway, so that's yeah, you know you that's, ruin everything um, that's descent that's descent three my very last one um uh, is post the blood baptism or in that sequence, which is a fantastic sequence, what I wrote is Sarah playing dead. I mean, that's oh my gosh, yes, yes, fantastic. When her eyes oh, are open yeah. and you know she's wide awake, she is totally like playing possum, and the thing is perched atop her head. Oh, oh my gosh, that's a that's a brilliant scene. Um, I mean that that moment in and of itself. There are few moments in the film that I could cohesively remember without the rewatch that's one of them because sure. i remembered specifically her laying on that rock her head down because it bobs her head bobs when yeah when oh yeah he yeah he perches on it and i was just like good lord and and yeah her eyes are wide open it's yep. it's a brilliant moment it's an absolute brilliant moment um you took all my scares and that's okay oh man but I'm sorry. uh no 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 don't, uh, don't i'm so back. used to I'm so used to cutting you off that I figure sometimes you'll do the same to me. So my apologies. It's <laughs> really funny. Um, no, I mean, all I could just wrap up almost. I mean, you, you said you said pretty much everything. It's it, the, the the creatures, creature design, the moments that they appear, the fights, the sounds, everything about them are terrifying. And this is a really freaky movie. And it all takes place in a cave. And I want my mommy. I mean, like, it is <laughs> really, it is well, really, really rough. It's funny, one scene we haven't mentioned that I was hoping maybe you would, so it would prove that I didn't take all of your scares, so I apologize once more. But, (laughs) um, dude, I mean, Juno impaling Beth during her rampage is devastating. Yes, yes. That is significant. I don't know if this is going to get us into themes, because this is not specifically related to the theme that I have, but I think this is probably a good moment to, to, to point this out. That moment, it is devastating, and it is tragic. I'm kind of like, I mean, you don't feel bad for Beth. Is that what you're about to say? You don't feel bad for? No, no, no. (laughs) I I feel I, I feel devastated for Beth. I this specific viewing did not uh did not like really despise Juno. Like I viewed it more as the accident it was, and I remember seeing it in the theater. I remember sitting in the theater and thinking like, oh, that's terrible. Why wasn't she paying better attention? I don't know why I thought these things, but I'm just sitting there. I was like, you know, like I kind of disliked Juno. But this time around, I'm very much like, oh, crap. And if I were in her shoes, like she's totally. I mean, she was sitting there trying to wrestle a flesh eating golem creature. Right. Stop him from taking her friend Holly away. And naturally, she's going to start thrashing with that thing. Sure, with sure, that, sure. That, that ice pick thing. Naturally, she's going to start thrashing. And so, I can imagine, like, if I were in a scenario in which something like that happened, like, how would I even tell? How would I tell anybody? 
Like, right. how would I right. like like it's one of those things where I kind of get when she's I'm not saying that she did the right thing or that she should have done this, but I kind of get when she's sitting there like the people are talking about about Beth and like, well, what happened to Beth is like, well, she didn't make it. She died. And I remember specifically as I was watching it, Beth, of course, is not dead in that moment. Um, but all indications seem like she is like she would be right. she just got stabbed in the throat yeah. with a, with a yeah. hiking pick you know like so i would have thought she was dead so there can be a little bit of sort of indictment of juno's character that she leaves her when she's not dead but i'm like i would have thought she was dead i mean right th- there's nothing about that that's like you're gonna be fine we're gonna, <laughs> we'll we're make gonna, it we'll make it out of this <laughs> we'll get you throw you on my back piggyback style and just you know like that's not that's and so i guess i just is i had a little bit more sympathy for juno's character and especially we'll get into it i'm sure in a, in a few minutes but especially given how the film ends i was i was not as against juno in this reviewing as i was in the theater uh which i found interesting but um but yeah that and and to that end i'm not as much on sarah's side for the choice that sarah makes at the end like sure it's when, it's 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 bold it's strong i mean like yeah. you, like i said you could you could uh my theme doesn't gel with this statement but i can see both sides of it you could make a a, a case that sarah's experience of bashing beth's brains in and then <sighs> what she went through in her blood baptism like utterly like that's it like she's She's gone again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 so yeah. what I'm what I'm saying is I think there's a defense for what you're saying, which is she does take it too far. I mean, it works for the movie, and sure, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that it is called the descent. There's there's a bottom that's got to get hit somewhere, and there it is. Yes, um, yes. But exactly. anyway, no, exactly. I, I understand what you're saying. So, um, so yeah, I mean, honestly, to uh, uh, to make it into themes, I have I have a couple of things to to talk about and think about. But I kind of uh, I kind of get the impression, uh, sincerely, I'm saying this like uh, mm-hmm. sincerely, I kind of get the impression that what you've got um, is kind of really on your mind. So I want you to have the floor first in terms of <laughs> themes as well. Um, uh, yeah, I appreciate that 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 uh, intro there. I, I don't know. I think deference. Yes, I appreciate that. Um, though maybe it's just you trying to one up me here in a minute with your theme. <laughs> theme you go all... out of the way, Nathan, and then yeah, exactly. and bash your brains oh in. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. We've been friends a long time, buddy. What is <laughs> what is nice? <laughs> I've heard that one before. Um, what is nice I'm about your jumps in this? <laughs> <laughs> on this our 52nd episode one year in we are making total like deep cut beer of god episode references <laughs> throw that grenade in that backpack <laughs> yeah that's all this episode should have been is just walking down our favorite greatest hits <laughs> that's right um so uh, i'm pretty sure whatever i've got to share here thematically is not going to interfere with yours because you keep referencing the ending and mine actually doesn't have a ton to do with the ending per se though maybe it does we'll find out hmm. um so I uh, the 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 arc of the movie is significant and substantive to this particular theme but where this theme generates or originates is very early on in a scene we've both referenced as terrifying. So when Sarah is stuck and this is really 
the theme I want to take and run with for just a minute, and it probably won't be that long. When she's stuck in that godforsaken tiny tunnel and starts freaking out, as all of us would, right? This this character who has lost her husband and daughter in a most dreadful, terrifying, sad, tragic accident. Yeah. Beth, uh, pre-throat impaling, uh, shimmies her way back down the tunnel to Sarah to try to encourage her to, to you know, be able to get out of this situation. And the, the, li- the, the line she says to her, like, echoes through my spirit such that this is more of a paraphrase, um, but... She tells her, the worst thing you've ever gone through has already happened to you. You can do this. And, dude, that, like, lodged in my spirit. Um, Yeah. I I will explode this out from the personal and, and apply it to a, I mean, we can, we can, we can dig in a bit more, but to just kind of fill in the coloring book page here. So I once heard some preacher somewhere say that the worst thing that could ever happen already has. Mm, we killed, yeah. we, we killed Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that sounds like a real maudlin statement except for the intention. And the intention is to say, well, I'll, I'll so I'm going to surprise you here and, and throw a, a Bible verse at you. Um, oh, John 1633 is what, stuck out to me that verse is the one that says in this world you will encounter trouble but take heart for i have overcome the world Mm, yeah and i feel in a really in a very tangible real way like for those of us who acknowledge the great mystery of faith that particular passage that particular declaration of christ's can and maybe should be like a cornerstone in the foundation right yeah right yeah you know and and you've got beth saying this to sarah and what i wrote down is that and i'm just going to ramble here for a second and if there's stuff to unpack, we can do that i said threats to our families threats to our way of life threats to our physical person these things will come and some of these things will take us down with them. Mm. It it stands to reason that that's a possibility, and in some cases, it's a probability. Right. But to me, the glory of Christ's overcoming, as he states there, that I've overcome the world, isn't that we will win some game of righteousness, but that in losing it all, even and unto perhaps our own life, or the lives of our spouse or children or loved ones, that even in the face of all that, the great mystery of Jesus overcoming the world will still mean some great victory, some transcendent restoration that dispels the goblins in the deep, um, mm. that, that, that births us either in this life, if you follow the theatrical cut, or in the kingdom to come, <laughs> if you follow the director's cut, but that will birth us in this life or in the kingdom to come into fresh breath and life and newness. And man, I don't get it at all, but I do kind of believe it. 
So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I just was yeah. really, I was just really struck by that line and because, because yeah. of un- unrelated to the movie, how that has ministered to me in the past, like the sure. worst thing that could ever happen has happened. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's not a, we're all good. It's not that it's not this blase. Uh, don't worry about it. Let that tragedy that befell you let that, that, you know, death of your child, let that, you know, discovery of your spouse, let it's not let those things be nothing to you. Right. It is, it is to say there is a comforter who says, take heart. I have overcome the world, you know? And I think for me, for me and just how I operate in the world and as my faith encounters quote unquote, the world like that is a, a foundation stone to, to build on, you know, it's, it's almost all you need really, you know, is, is that <laughs> right. Right. You know, that, that sort of admonition from Jesus that says to take heart, you know, personally, personally for me, that's not a, correct me if I'm wrong, admonition and admonishment, right? Like an admonishment is a sort of finger wag, maybe, um, you know, yeah, an admon- I, no, admonition right. and admonition is a, is an encouragement. Um, I don't receive that as, Hey, just get over it, buddy. Right. But it is a, right. I know this hurts, but, but, but take heart. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, know, certainly. There's, there's not there's not much of a way to paraphrase "take heart" that's going to do the justice to that phrase that it itself exactly. does. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And that it, I I I latched on to that statement as well when Beth said it, and she says the worst thing has already happened. And let's let's take this a step. Let's take this a step back. Is she right? And I'm t- I'm talking about the narrative of the movie, and because I'm going somewhere with this, like. It, we know, having seen the film now, what awaits them. And so she says, the worst thing has already happened to you. And it's interesting to sit here and ponder this moment for a minute. And I, it makes me sort of take a step back and reflect on the fact of there are horrors aplenty ahead of them. Like there are things beyond their wildest imaginations ahead of them, <laughs> you know, kind of the antithesis of what we talked about last week with Creature from the Black Lagoon. There are not wonders and, <laughs> and uh, you know, optimisms ahead there. It's, it's a further descent into madness. But something struck me when it's revealed after the tunnel collapses and they're in that you know, inner cave after they, you know, they thought they were in Borman's cave and then they realized that Juno pulled a switcheroo and they're in a completely uncharted cave and they have no idea. Nobody has any idea where they are. If they don't make it out of this alive, nobody will come looking for them or at least they'll come looking in the wrong place. So all of that um, comes to realization. And I something about this connected with me when I was watching this film this time. Juno... Uh, a little bit of backstory to the film. So Juno, as a character, we realize through the course of the film, likely had an affair with Sarah's husband. It's it's pretty uh, apparent that, that 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 took place between the two of them. So in that sense, when Sarah's husband died in that car accident, Juno lost someone too. So you have two main characters who both tragically lost this uh, this person that meant a great deal to them. And it struck me this time around that 
Sarah desperately wants to sort of move past and 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 get over this great tragedy, this great loss that she's experienced. And Juno's antidote for that, Juno's prescription to try to get her through this is for them to discover this big cave. And here's what it made me think, and hopefully this will make sense if I'm unpacking it correctly. Sometimes we deal with loss by trying to accomplish something else. We'll deal with loss or we'll deal with grief by trying to create another achievement. And it struck me in this viewing of the descent that that's a very foolhardy thing to do. You and I have talked multiple times about how you need to feel your grief, um, recognizing as as you did, acknowledging in the scripture the the taking heart because Christ has already overcome the world. I'll connect what what the film woke up in me to what you just expressed in just a second. So sometimes we, when we suffer great loss, when we suffer tragedy, we want to push forward. We become workaholics. We try to compensate for the emptiness or the void that our life now experiences by trying to fill it with something else. Fill it with fame, fill it with money, fill it with success, fill it with some other thing. Uh, you know, we, we, we'll make some big dramatic change to our life or lifestyle as if we ourselves are trying to overcome the world. Hmm. So we ourselves respond. It's, it's almost as if we hear it this way. In this world, you will have trouble, but you can overcome the world. And it's fascinating to me that that's often our response to grief when that's not what Christ said. What he sure, said sure. is in this world, you will have trouble. You have no need to overcome the world. Right. It is going to be a place of occasional trouble, but I have already beaten it. You don't have to conquer it. Sure. I have already defeated it. I've already conquered it. I've already... Because I feel like... Now, granted, again, like with Creature from the Black Lagoon, we're dealing with like a fantastical scenario. So, um, you know, they, they get down into these descent... Uh, the the worst thing that they thought maybe was happening is maybe they'll be trapped in this cave and they'll run out of food, they'll run out of air, they'll run out of water, they'll they'll starve or something like that. They were not necessarily expecting, oh, there are flesh-eating monsters. There's a horde of blind flesh-eating monsters that are going to begin attacking us in the dark and if our torch goes out, we won't see anything. It's just a freaky, terrible thing. They don't uh, necessarily anticipate that. But the whole reason they're there, well, I shouldn't say the whole reason. I believe that the whole reason Juno is there, and this is the text of the film, is because she wants to accomplish this great thing. And she sees it as at least partially cathartic for the loss that she and Sarah sure. experience. Sure. We're going to accomplish this great thing. We're going to conquer it. And so here's what I'll say as sort of a potentially final button. I'm not even going to bring in the scripture that I was already going to say because I think yours is too perfect for it. That we try in every way, to overcome our own grief, to overcome our own troubles, to conquer and and sort of conquest the things ahead of us in some way. We think we're rising. We think we are uh, climbing over something. When, in fact, if we do not take a step back and allow ourselves to feel our hurt, allow ourselves to understand what we've gone through and to normalize and to communicate about the troubles and about the grief that in our efforts to rise, we will only descend 
and I know I'm being a little on the nose there in the in the metaphor with the title and with where they go and everything like that. But in our efforts to rise and in our efforts to conquest, we will only descend deeper. And here there be monsters. Here there be, you know, evil, wicked things that even worse than that. What choice does Sarah make at the end? In the end, when she discovers the reality, this is why I'm having trouble getting on her side for her choice at the end, is because she's lost someone. She lost her daughter. She lost her husband. And I'm sorry, Juno had an affair with Sarah's husband, but Juno did not cause the accident. Juno is not responsible for the, the, the grief and tragic loss that Sarah's experiencing. So when Sarah chooses at the end of the film, for those who haven't seen it, to take that pick and blast open Juno's knee so that she has no hope of escaping these creatures. <laughs> you and I textually joked that she just sort of set the dinner table, you know, for these, right. for these creatures. Right. You know, when she makes that choice, I have a hard time getting behind that choice. Sure. Because what she's what she's done, I think, and he, and here's kind of man. Listeners probably think I'm all over the map, but here's what I see when I see that scene. Sarah has gone through the blood baptism. She's gone to the depths. She's come up. The creatures didn't get the best of her. She killed them. She gouged their eyes out with her thumbs. I mean, she you know she's really become this sort of like you said, one tick closer to being what they are. And then in that moment. She is, maybe I'm taking the metaphor a little too far, but I think when she blasts out Juno's knee and leaves Juno there to die, I think she believes she is conquering her grief, that she's doing to her own grief. Juno has then become the embodiment of the loss that she's experienced, and she's going to butcher it and leave it here to be forever forgotten, forever leave behind. And then, in the theatrical version at least, we get an indication that she never will leave it behind. Right, right. Even when she escapes, the image of it is still going to be there haunting her. And I think that the choice for us as people is to recognize that we cannot just muscle through our grief. That we cannot simply conquer our grief. We simply have to pass through it. We have to allow it to do its work. And we, we can't descend with it either we can't just be pulled into the depths with it either but we have to i think allow the grief process to do its work and if you're a christian if you're a believer then to take that verse seriously you are going to have trouble trouble right, does not right. indicate that there's anything wrong with your faith it does not indicate that there's any that there's a problem with who you are in this world you are going to have trouble but take heart because you don't have to be bigger than your problems you don't have to be you don't have to rise above and find some deeply rooted uh, way to to sort of overcome. You can, in a very metaphorical and sometimes a very literal way, throw up your hands and surrender and say, "I can't do this on my own. I can't. Right, I can't. Right. I can't defeat this on my own. I can't get past this on my own." And I think sometimes that's the 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 paradox of faith is recognizing that in his in our frailty, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. That it it can it flies in the face of all of our logic to think that wow you mean that when I'm the weakest that's when it's really revealed who Christ truly is yes right. yes as a matter right. of fact that when you are at your weakest when you are in the depths when you are surrounded and overwhelmed by trouble that is when He reveals Himself to to who He is that's when you begin to experience the that overcoming of the world that He talks about and we can truly take heart. 
because he told us it was going to be this way. He told us there were going to be problems. And I'm not going to this. This had the potential to be a tremendous can of worms, but we've already been going for a while. So I'm going to just sort of uh, do a drive by. I'm going to I'm going to honk the horn as the truck drives by and just leave people to to think throw up in the street. Exactly. There can be a real temptation here in 2017 America for Christians to feel like their purpose is to vanquish the evil, to conquer the evil, to overcome, as it were. Sure. And and I know that there are scriptural verses that talk about what will happen to the one who overcomes. That's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about viewing your faith as some sort of conquest, taking up the sword and saying like, "Ooh, I'm going to lead the charge and I'm going to I'm going to conquer and I'm going to, uh, you know, vanquish the enemy, as it were. And again, I say that. When we head down that path, not only as a response to grief, but as a response to trouble, as a response to difficulty, that when we do that, we, in our efforts to rise, may only be perpetuating our own descent Hmm. in our efforts to sort of rise to the top, sinking deeper down and more and more every day becoming monsters, more and more every day getting one tick closer to being sightless, uh, soulless, uh, flesh eating, you know, to harken back to night of the living dead thing, like where, where we just are our own appetites and there's no structure to, to who we are anymore. And, and I feel like the alternative to that is the lamb who laid down his life and opened not his mouth in the face of tremendous injustice in the face of tremendous against himself. I should say like, uh, taking on, the things that he did not deserve to take on and by absorbing them conquered them by taking them on and forgiving and showing mercy. He diffused them and stopped them. And when we ourselves face trouble, I'll wrap it up with this because man, I'm preaching a sermon here. When we ourselves face trouble, we take heart by recognizing that the trouble is not ours to stop. That the that the the enemy is not ours to beat, that he's already lost, that in the construct of the Christian faith, he's already lost and we can take comfort and we can take heart because even our own individual losses do not lose the war. They don't they don't stop the progress of the kingdom of God. And I feel like there's just a lot of believers who feel terribly threatened in their faith, who feel terribly like, no, I you know, you uh it is up to me to make sure that that you know that God is never spit upon again, that He's never smited, that He's never ridiculed, that He's never any of those things. And I'm not saying you can't stand up for your faith. I hope you. I hope people can hear the heart behind what I'm saying here. Is that as I mentioned in an earlier episode, the scriptures don't need my defense; they defend me. I feel the same way about the faith and the Spirit, and I feel that's the same way about Christ. I need Him. He in my theological framework does not need me to stand up and be like, Hey, you can't talk about my Jesus that way. I desperately need to come into contact with the man who said, take heart. I've overcome the world already. Right, right, right. Take heart. I've already won this battle. This is not your battle to fight. All you have to do is bear witness. You just have to bear witness to the fact that I've already won the battle and, and receive it. Um, and so I don't know. I, 
this this may feel rather a far afield of what the dissent uh, laid out, but it's one of the things that it made me think of in the sense that in our efforts to rise, we sometimes sink deeper and deeper. And sometimes the reverse of that, how different would it have been if she and Juno together had continued to fight them off? Sure, and if, sure. if she and Juno together had decided we're going to make it out of this cave and then, yeah, when you get out, be like, hey, you slept with my husband. We're never talking again. You go your way or whatever, whatever is going to happen. But instead, no, Sarah makes a choice to leave Juno for dead in there to do the exact same thing that right. Juno did to Beth. Uh, only in Juno's case, that was an accident. Sarah sure, does it intentionally sure. and she leaves her for dead. And then in the unrated cut or the, the cut that I saw, uh, she's trapped herself. That she's doomed and she's dead and she's obviously we know there's a descent part two, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this specific reading of the film. She is at a dead end with the monsters closing in on her and she's lost her mind and she's lost herself in this in this process. And uh, we don't have to succumb to a fate where we lose ourselves in trying to overcome our troubles. And I guess maybe I should just leave it at that because I feel like I've preached a sermon and a half. So, uh, well, yeah. take 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 heart. It's it's our anniversary episode, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> we, we just we just run off. Exactly. Um, I I feel pretty good. Do you feel like yeah? And uh, bringing our our buddy David S. Pumpkins into the conversation. Let's do how how different would it have been if you're, you know, amidst all those creepy crawly golem creatures, suddenly it was like, I'm David Pumpkins. Now I'm sitting in the middle of the cave and I feel much better Um, as we do on every episode with every film. At least we rate these by a metric of David S. Pumpkins, our favorite Saturday Night Live character, Emmy nominated David S. Pumpkins. And um, so we rate these on three measures, styles, scares and substance Um, in the area of style i'll go first uh nathan i love this film i think this film is really very effective very fantastic i have one slight ding down for it in that um some of the characters are a bit interchangeable but i'm going to give this a solid four for style i would i mean i really enjoyed this you know my personally second viewing um so i'm gonna i'm gonna echo your four there um as far as scares go this is a scary movie it's scary uh, scary. i I don't think a four is unwarranted for scares so i'm gonna go with that all right i will see your four and because i like to one-up you i'm gonna raise you to five because man seriously wow yeah this movie this movie was a five level scare for me this movie freaked me out the fact that it took place in the cave the creepy crawlies around every corner yes uh yeah it's it's a terrifying movie and yeah it's very very scary so five for me uh for substance um, I'm going to land again at a four because I feel like there is a lot to think about and to talk about, uh, particularly depending on what version of the film you see. Uh, right, right. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm going to land on four for substance as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to one up you and I'm going to come right along. You and I are walking out of this cave together. Uh, yes, so I'm going to go, right. I'm going to go right. with a four. That's exactly uh, on right. substance as well. Who knew? What, what do we got, Reed? I know. So that means that uh, this week we give the descent 
a solid eight out of ten David S. Pumpkins. That is a that's that is a high rating. Yes, it's a it's a very good movie. It's very well done. I have not seen the sequel, so I can't speak to that. But I know that this film, in and of itself, regardless of which version you see, is very scary, very creepy. If you haven't seen it, we've actually uh, we we've talked about some specific things, uh, but we've actually spoiled very little of it. Uh, surprisingly, except for you know the ending, which is a big deal, but um, but it's a very depending scary... on which one you see exactly. Uh, but it's a very scary and very effective movie. If you haven't seen it already and you've listened this far, then despite the spoilers, please check it out. It's really scary and very, very good. Um, and if you want to talk about any of the things that we've brought up here or The Descent itself, uh, you can redo the, do so in a variety of ways because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. If you want to reach out to us, the easiest and best way is probably through Twitter. Nathan, what is our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle, read is at the fear of God. You can also visit us on Facebook. You can like us and follow us there. Leave a comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. There's a link to that through Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the fear of God? At the Nathan Rouse. You can also visit morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other posts for our official episodes. You can go to iTunes if you feel so inclined and if you listen to us through iTunes and leave us a review. We would very much appreciate that. We would love that. Um, You can also uh, email us fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. We are still taking votes for hashtag I love the 90s. Uh, whether or not a film makes it into the top 50 may depend on whether or not you vote. So uh, please do go visit Facebook or Twitter for the survey. If you do not have Facebook or Twitter, you can email us fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com and we'll send you the survey that way. But either way, we would love to hear from you. And uh, this concludes, uh, I'm a little sad to see it go. This is uh, the last installment of our Universal Monsters series, but there are great things on the horizon. I hope you've enjoyed this walk down uh, down this Lane with me, Nathan. That's been very fun. I've, I've very much enjoyed uh, acclimating myself to these classic monster movies. Wonderful. Well, uh, check out social media to see where we're going to be going next week. And as always, Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation with me and for spending this time. And thank you very much, listener, for spending this time with us. Constant listener, we really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, one year in the can. Here's to uh, here's to hopefully many more. See you next time, guys. Bye.